Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 184 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca for all your sports betting needs. If you want to get in on some action as the MLB regular season comes to a close, do it at Botano 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Your Remchuk and Coombsy here to break down a three game series against the Yankees. The second last series of the year and one that was supposed to feel like base, feel like playoff baseball. Coombsy and I'll be honest, first two games didn't feel like playoff baseball. Yeah, I mean, we've complained. Look, we've complained multiple times in the season when they do the opposite, which is like have a good first two games and then have the chance to sweep and lay like an absolute clunker and just win the series. Whereas this one was the opposite. The first two games were absolute clunkers shut out on back to back days at home in front of a very quiet crowd a crowd that wasn't 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 too thrilled to be watching that kind of baseball. But then they turned things around in the sun and not the Sunday game, the series finale game and shifted the vibes. People feel a lot better after watching Brandon Belt's huge home run. Dalton Barshow hit a dinger. Matt Chapman hit his first dinger in forever. Chris Bassett threw one of the most impressive starts, I think, of the season of any of the pitchers and vibes have shifted again. It was it's been a roller coaster ride, but we're on the up again. So let's dig into things a little bit with our three up, three down. There is also a lot to get to later in the show with our guy, Brett Holden, and he's going to take us through all the tiebreaker scenarios that you're going to want to know ahead of the final weekend of the regular season. Uh, but let's do our three up, three down for this series against the Yankees. And, and let's just let's rip the bandaid off. Let's get the down part out of the way. And the first down, Coombsy, is just that. The Jays got dominated by those two Yankee starters. Michael King and Garrett Cole were both excellent and is frustrating as it is to see the Jays bats once again come up limp in big big moments there's also a little part of me that's like those are two damn good arms that they ran into so you want to cut them a little bit of slack but at the same time you can't be getting shut out in back-to-back ball games at this point in the season no, I'm not too concerned about the Garrett Cole shutout because uh, I mentioned this last time but 
that guy's staring down the barrel over over these last two starts, both of them against the Toronto. He's he's looking at winning the first Cy Young of his career. And I would imagine he's pretty pissed off about finishing as the runner up in 2021 to Robbie Ray. He was also the runner up in 2019 to his own teammate, Justin Verlander. So I just imagine like, obviously, there's there's motivation to win the Cy Young. Everyone's got that. Mm-hmm. The pitchers have that. But when you're that close after coming up short a couple of times, you're, you're going to finish strong. And I'm not too concerned about the Jays getting shut down by Garrett Cole. It is what it is. But the first game, the Michael King game, that one was disappointing because he didn't have that same dominant stuff that he did last week in New York when he was just carving through the lineup. He was really spot on. Whereas this game in Toronto, it's like, well, you just saw him last week. So you kind of know what to expect a little bit. And he wasn't that sharp. He walked five guys and the Jays just couldn't capitalize. So that's the game that was disappointing and worrying. Whereas the Garrett Cole game was just, well, it's Garrett Cole on the verge of a Cy Young. He wants to put an exclamation mark on his season and he threw the complete game shutout. It is what it is. Um, I'm not. I'm not super worried about it. I know there's a big kind of narrative going around now. The Jays can't hit any high quality pitching whatsoever, but I don't really necessarily buy into that. Given what we saw against um, against Tampa over the weekend, they hit. They they did decently well against Tyler Glass. Now, once he lost his command, they had that patient approach. Um, I don't know. They've hit. They've hit good pitching before in the regular season. It has happened. They've hit good relievers too. So, getting dominated by Garrett Cole, not the end of the world I'll, I'll i'll live with it yeah the big moment obviously in that michael king start it came pretty early in that ball game in the bottom of the third when he had lost his control the jays had loaded the bases vladimir guerrero jr comes up i think the count is three and oh when he has the bases loaded and he ends up striking out looking and it's like man like if that one ab goes differently think yeah. about how much differently we feel probably about this entire series about the jays playoff chances all of that stuff so the first down just the fact that they got absolutely dominated by the first two yankee starters garrett cole throws a complete game two hitter not great not great <laughs> uh, the second down is our pal jordan romano who we need to talk about a little bit um that was not great from the Jays closer. He has had a little bit of a rough patch here, Coomzy. Is this just a temporary rough patch or are you maybe a little bit worried because of that cracked fingernail and everything going on there? Are you a little bit worried that the Jays might have a problem here? Back-to-back appearances with two earned runs. Yeah, I don't know. It, it. I mean, at a glance, it certainly doesn't look good. Nobody's <laughs> sitting there being like, yeah. you know what? I, I really want in late September for my closer to lose back-to-back appearances. You know, nobody wants that. But you look around, it's late September. Relievers are tired. Players are blowing saves. Look at, um, Brett will go into more detail about this, but look at last night on Thursday, our oldest yeah. Chapman came in uh, with a chance pretty much to guarantee the Rangers clinching. I think they would have clinched if they had won. And he blew the save against Seattle. They scored two runs in the ninth inning to win in the game. I'm not saying Romano losing games is fine because Eroldis Chapman also did so. It's it's just kind of a just kind of a point that we get to this point in the season and these things do happen because of the fatigue and the burnout. I think it would be ideal at this point to kind of give Romano a little bit more rest, maybe give him some time off, uh, give him maybe one more appearance before the playoffs start. But I wouldn't say that I'm particularly worried about it, just given the way he pitched 
after the home run that he allowed to Austin Wells, it was a wall scraper, one that barely made it over. It's not like, you know, Romano was wild and terrible and his velocity was way down and some scrub hit a ball into the fifth deck. Like it was a wall scraping home run that was unfortunate. And then after that, he, you know, gets Stanton to ground out. Kiner Falefa strikes out as Waldo Cabrera strikes out. It, his velocity and his stuff was right there. So it's, you know, the process is fine. It's just not the results. And also the interesting thing with Romano is, he's a lot better in save situations than he is in these tie games. Like let's keep it tied so that the bats can come out in the bottom half of the inning. He's not good in those situations. It's really interesting. I know people don't necessarily always love to talk about the mental aspect of sports. It's kind of, you know, how much does this actually matter? Do we overblow it? But you see the clip of him in Tampa when he's in the, um, in the bench with his hat on a little bit weird and he looks like crazy intense. You can really see that this guy like gets himself fired up for a save situation. And if he doesn't have it, then if he doesn't have that, that energy going into an appearance, then things don't seem to turn out as well. So that's another reason why I'd be, I'd be pretty cozy with giving Romano a bit of a rest here coming up with the Tampa series. Well, the other thing, like Jordan Hicks didn't pitch in that series against the New York Yankees. He hasn't pitched in, well, now it's been five days. Um, I guess he could be pitching night, but he didn't allow, hasn't allowed an earned run yet in the month of September. You look at Romano, the way he seems to always struggle when it's not a safe situation. And then you have Jordan Hicks sitting in the bullpen. I wonder if that wasn't maybe a little bit of a miscalculation from John Schneider. Like, why would you not go with the guy who has gone like 12 appearances in a row without giving up an earned run when you should know by now, Jordan Romano is not that comfortable in these situations. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a puzzling choice. It kind of felt like, um, just given what happened to Romano on, on the Saturday, it's like, all right, he, he blows the save against Tampa on Saturday. He has the day off on Sunday. The team had the day off on Monday and it's like, all right, I, we don't want Jordan Romano to sit there with this shitty feeling inside of him for blowing that game in Tampa. Let's get him back in there. An opportunity to, you know, do his thing, maybe pick up the win if the Jays hit a walk off in the bottom half. But unfortunately the, the, the plan just kind of blew up in John Schneider's face and it didn't work out. I think I can see the logic that he had there, but, Sometimes it doesn't work. It is what it does. Yeah. Um, a little cheap third down for this one. Um, that home plate umpire in the, yeah. in the first game of the series, that was one of the most atrocious umpiring performances I think I've ever seen. It ended up being, according to the ump scorecard account, plus 1.87 runs for the New York Yankees. There were some strike calls there that were like laughable. Yeah, there really was. It was... Uh... <laughs> It was a rough one, especially on the, there was two different Vladi at bats. I think it was his first and second at bats. The second one was the one you mentioned earlier where the bases were loaded and the, the game totally could have changed if, if not for that at bat. He had, he had a really good approach in that at bat, went up three, nothing, took a strike, took another strike. They weren't his pitch and then got rung up on a pitch that was at least a few inches off the plate and low right down at the knees. Didn't really seem like one where you'd, you'd call a strike there, but such as life. The Jays have been dealing with these calls all season. It, it, it's, it's, that's just baseball. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it right now on MLB.com. Not a single part of that ball touched the zone, which is very frustrating. On the other hand, you look at how Michael King had to approach that at bat. And maybe this once again, goes back to Vladdy's approach and mindset in these situations. He had just walked the bases loader, walked someone to load the bases. He throws you three straight balls and then he goes sinker low for strike one. Okay, clearly that is the only pitch he feels comfortable with throwing for a strike in that scenario is the sinker low and away. What's the next pitch? A sinker low and away. What is Vladdy strikeout looking on? A sinker low and away. So while that last one was not a strike and it is frustrating to see that, 
it's also one where Vladdy could have swung at it. You should be sitting there in that situation going, hmm, he's needs to throw me a strike again. He has thrown the only pitch he's thrown for a strike in the last three batters is like that sinker low and away. Maybe you should have just taken that decision out of the ump's hand and taken a hack at that thing. Like, I don't know. But just imagine how mad we all would have been if 3-2, he swings at what we all thought was ball four and it yeah. bounces on the ground right to the second baseman. And we'd all be like, why are you swinging it? That's not your pitch. He's walking everybody. We would have been so mad. <laughs> you make a fantastic point because that is exactly what I would have been saying in that scenario. I would have been very oh, yeah, pissed off on my couch. All right, let's get to the ups here because this series did end on a high note. And let's start by talking about Chris Bassett. Man, to say the Jays have been getting their money's worth with this guy would be an understatement. He has just been so consistent all year. His last three starts have each been really, really strong. This one was a, a career high 12 strikeouts. Like, we're not talking about one of the best starts of his Blue Jays career. We're talking about one of the best starts of Chris Bassett's life in a big, big game as well. So the 34 year old was just, he was absolutely dominant. Yeah, he uh, it was that was the first time I, I can remember, like really um, paying attention and caring that a player is going to reach 200 innings since remember back in 2015 when uh, Mark Burley came out to try and reach 200 innings like for the whatever consecutive season and he wound up getting lit up by the Rays. This was um, this was such a badly needed start for the Jays. Um, Gosman was great in the the opener. Jose Barrios had a little bit of a different time in the second game, but it didn't really matter because of how well Garrett Cole was pitching. You just kind of knew that there wasn't going to be a tremendous amount of room for error in the third game. And Bassett just came out and, and shoved. It was exactly what the team needed. And I mean, Bassett's had a lot of, sh- a, a lot of starts like this, where he comes and gives the blue Jays like some serious length in situations where they kind of have been scuffling or situations where the bullpen hasn't looked amazing. And, you know, you want to give your relievers some rest and think back to, you know, his uh, complete game earlier in the season and the like eight inning starts that he's had, you know, uh, there's only four pitchers this year in major league baseball so far who have reached, reached 200 innings and Bassett is one of them. He's, he's been right up there as one of the most valuable starters in baseball this year. And I remember uh, last off season after the season that Ross Stripling had for the Jays um, in that swingman role, he, he started off as a reliever and then filled in when Hyunjin Ryu was injured and was one of their best starters down the stretch. There was a lot of people saying they should resign him. Maybe they should give him a qualifying offer, you know, keep him around. And the Jays let him walk. He signed with San Francisco and they replaced him with Chris Bassett, who, you know, kind of new guy. You're you're a little bit skeptical. Is he going to be as good as Stripling was? Thirty four years old. Yeah, he's he's not a young guy. He had just pitched in the National League. He had also pitched in Oakland. That's a pitcher's ballpark. Who knows how he's going to fare in the American League East? And he just came in and just tossed innings. And you 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 kind of notice now just how important it is having pitchers who can come out and soak up all of those innings. Like this was another instance where having a guy come out and pitch seven quality just makes life so much easier because now you're going into the weekend pretty much with an entirely rested bullpen. And Chris Bassett's done that for the Jays multiple times this season. Chris Bassett also has been great off the field in Toronto. Um, I wanted to give a plug to uh, what him and his family have done, which is they pledged to donate $10,000 to Jays care for every game. Chris pitches in this year that the blue Jays go on to win. So he's now racked up 200 innings They've now racked up $200,000 in donations to Jay's Care from the Bassett family as well, which is awesome. And then if you want a nice little nerd nugget, a nice stat here, there have only been two pitchers in Blue Jays franchise history 
to have nine games of six scoreless innings in a season. Roger Clemens in 97 and Chris Bassett in 2023. Like the numbers are just absolutely incredible with this guy. Is he your, oh, I shouldn't even ask this question. Is he your game two starter in a hypothetical wildcard series or should we not talk about that? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to jinx it, but the answer is yes. He's 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 there behind Gosman. I think Bassett's the Blue Jays' number two starter right now. Uh, let's get to the second up from this series, and it's the bats that did come alive in the third game. Three dingers for the Jays. Dalton Varsho broke the scoreless deadlock in the third inning, and then Matt Chapman. Holy shit! Did Matt Chapman ever need that? Um, <laughs> Hopefully, like again, we will forget about Matt Chapman's struggles if he is as hot as he was early in the year, if he's that hot again for two weeks. Like we will forget about all of this shit that we went endured in the summer. Yeah, no one's going to sit there and remember like the long slog. If he has a couple of big home runs and some rock solid defensive plays during the wild card and they advance the division series, that kind of thing. None of it matters. Nobody cares. Like um, you think, think about Matt Chapman and his contract this year. Like think back to April and how well he was playing. And people were like, you know, it's Shoei Otani, number one free agent. Then it's Matt Chapman. Whoever misses out is going to, you know, throw all their bags at, at Chapman. He's, he's like the MVP of April. Looks like he's going to have the best season of his career. And then the offense really dipped after that. And then there was the finger injury. It, it really doesn't look like he's back at a hundred percent. Even the home run he hit, in the New York in the series finale against New York off of Luke Weaver. It was one of those ones that kind of just passed over the right field wall near the foul pole, like a, like a weird home run. But I mean, man, like he hasn't hit a home run since mid late August. I think that was, that's, that was his first one for sure since coming off the injured list. And like, if I tried to picture the last time Matt Chapman hit a home run, I honestly can't remember it off the top of my head. It feels like it was a very long time ago. So I mean, nice for him to get the monkey off of his back. And I, I don't know if this will spark him hitting better because I do think a lot of his struggles offensively come down to that finger issue he has. But hey, as long as the as long as the vibes are positive, that's that that that's something good. First home run by Matt Chapman since doo -doo -doo -doo, August 4th in Boston. Uh, so at Fenway Park, he has only hit two home runs now since the beginning of August. But this is the up section of the podcast. So we will be positive and say, hey, finger issues are behind him. Matt Chapman ready to go off. Brandon Belt also went yard in that game. And I want to tie that into a conversation about the way John Schneider switched up his batting order in this one. I think this is something that has the chance to work just because Brandon Belt gets on base so much. His OPS on the year now is close to 850. Having him behind George Springer with a little bit of power, I think is going to make life potentially easier on George Springer. And then also, I think throwing Bo down in the order and giving him a chance to drive in some runs is also a good thing. Like I like what John Schneider did there. Yeah, we've we've both liked Bo in the cleanup spot before. We've talked mm -hmm. about that. He uh, he's probably overall their best hitter, the most likely guy to get on base, but he's also really good in an RBI spot. And Brandon Belt's really good at drawing a walk. He sees a lot of pitches. I, I kind of wonder if it would be it'd be an interesting thing to. I don't I don't love the idea of putting Bo all the way back at number five because I think he should be higher than that. But it's it's a nice RBI spot for him if you have Biggio behind Vladdy, another good drawing like walks, 
long at bats kind of guy and then belt right before that. So it's, you know, two guys kind of sandwiched on the outside of Vladdy that'll see long at bats. I wonder if that makes some sense. I really do like Bo in the RBI spot coming up with, you know, somebody on second that he can punch in with a single. We all know about Bo's own two count approach where he's very good at making contact. I think he fits well into those spots because he's, he's one of the guys that I feel best about coming up when there are runners on, like actually coming through and getting the bat on the ball and finding some green. So yeah, that, that all worked out really well. The other thing with uh, Brandon belt that's worth bringing up is his, uh, <laughs> his comment after it was either the first game or the second game. I can't remember. He mentioned that, um, Hey, we need this uh, little extra spark from the fans. It's been, it's been quiet. Those first two games uh, we could, we could use some noise. And I think the way the quote came out, cause Brandon belt's got that, you know, that deadpan sense yeah. of humor, the way the quote came out really rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way they're like well, what are we cheering for you didn't score a run in the first two games jays fans aren't really interested in cheering for pitching and defense they're interested in cheering for dingers that's just what they know that's what jays fans have seen every good team the jays have ever had pretty much has been a we score a lot of runs team so that's the gold standard for what we expect and then in the third game belt comes through with his huge three-run bomb that was a that was a rocket that was one of the most like aesthetically appealing home runs that I think a blue Jay has hit this ceiling in the, or the season and the crowd just went absolutely nuts. So good on Brandon belt for, for, for making that comment and then coming through and delivering immediately. He's been, he was really good in that series. The, the, the bats weren't amazing from front to finish, but he's the one guy who got hits off of Garrett Cole. He came through with that big bomb. Like he looks like he's, he's playoff ready. And now the magic number is down to two for the Toronto Blue Jays. They either got a win two of three against the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend, or they need the Seattle Mariners to lose two of three. Any combination of two Jays wins and Mariners losses is what it's going to take for this team to get into the postseason. Uh, oh, that magic number for a second there looked like it was going to drop down to one. Uh, let's step aside for a quick break here, and then we'll get to our guy, Brett Holden. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
back on episode 184 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, brought to you by Botano. It was a good night at the Dome. It was not a great night on the out-of-town scoreboard, though, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's get caught up with what went down this week in the AL wildcard report with our guy, Brett Holden. Uh, Brett, what happened? How did the Mariners pull that off? I turned the game off after the eighth inning last night. You all know how they pulled that off? That was uh, entirely, as Coombsy said earlier, Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman's arm, ugh, ever since everybody thought he was a great red, has just yeah. gone downhill since then. Yes, it was a J.P. Crawford walk-off as he slapped it over the left fielder's head. All thanks to Aroldis Chapman walking guys all over the place, hitting the backstop. I mean, Jonah Heim, I feel bad for Jonah Heim. The amount of times that he had to potentially... <laughs> break a toe or run to the backstop. It was insane. But this series is obviously massive. There are a ton of potential tiebreaker scenarios here. So I'm just going to get right into the scenarios as right now it's the Houston Astros facing off against the Texas Rangers in their final series of the uh, season. But First possible scenario here, the Astros, the Mariners, Rangers, and the Blue Jays all tie. Let's imagine they all tie here. The result for the final three playoff spots would be the Mariners, the Astros, and the Rangers would make the playoffs and the Blue Jays would be out. Scenario number two. The Blue Jays claim the second wild card spot and the Astros, Mariners, and the Rangers tie. The Mariners and the Astros would be in and the Rangers would be out. Scenario number three. We have four scenarios here. This is (laughs) insane. The Astros win the AL West and the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Blue Jays tie. The Rangers and the Mariners are in And the Blue Jays are out. There's only really two scenarios where the Blue Jays can make it. And that is if the Rangers win the AL West and the Astros Mariners and the Blue Jays tie the Mariners and the Blue Jays would make it to the postseason. And to wrap this all up here, the Houston Astros are going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks as well, who are also playing in a massive uh, NL wild card race over on the other side too. They're only a game up or uh, two games up, excuse me, on the Chicago Cubs for that final wild card spot too. So they're fighting on their end. Both teams are fighting for their playoff lives and good news for the Houston Astros. Michael Brantley has also made a return as well. And there's been some fire between these teams as well. In the final game between the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners, Hector Neris struck out Julio Rodriguez and he just started walking him down, talking all this smack to him. Benches cleared. There's fire here. So not only are there battles going on in the standings and for a playoff race, but imagine if these two teams face off against each other in the postseason. There could be some real October fireworks going off in these wildcard races here. All right. Fantastic, man. I mean, we're heading to the final weekend of the year and there are, as you laid out, four different scenarios that could still all play out just for tiebreakers. It's absolutely insane. Thanks, Brett. Of course. Thank you. All right, Coombsy. So the Jays, again, like Brett said, they are two games up on the Mariners, but the Mariners own the tiebreaker over them. The Jays are one game up on Houston. Jays own the tiebreaker over Houston. 
Houston's taking on Arizona and they have to go up against Diamondbacks ace Zach Gallen tonight. That is good news. The Rangers and Mariners are going head to head and the Mariners have to go up against Nate Yavaldi, one of the better pitchers on the Texas staff as well. Those two things are working in the Jays favor. The other thing, too, they're heading into a three gamer here against the Rays. The simplest way to make the playoffs is to take care of business yourself and just win two of three and then you're in. The Rays also don't have anything to play for, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, the other thing I, I just cause kind of completely slipped my mind, but the Baltimore Orioles clinched the American League East yesterday and they won their 100th game of the season. So the Rays are kind of stuck there as they're basically in the same spot the Jays were in last year, which is they know they're hosting the wild card game. They know they can't win the division. They're just hanging out waiting. So they're coming into Toronto this weekend with really nothing to play for at all. They can't move up in the standings. They can't move down. They just are where they are. So I don't know if they... Um, there, there really isn't there. Like it, it, it's as simple as that for the blue Jays is just win. like if you know, there are all these tiebreaker scenarios and if they have the same record, blah, 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 head to head, this and that, none of this really matters. Just, just take care of business. You're at home. It's the weekend. It's going to be three consecutive sellouts or close to that. It's going to be, you know, high energy, high octane, exciting stuff, late September baseball. The team has to show up and play and win. Um, it's really as simple as that. If they go ahead and get swept or something by Tampa at home on the weekend, a Tampa Bay Rays team that has literally nothing to play for other than, I guess, potentially if they want, if they if they were to sweep the Jays, they could be like, yeah, we knocked the Jays out of this spot. We don't want to face them in the first round. That's something to play for, I guess. But if you allow a team to come into your stadium and do that to you at the end of the season, you do not deserve to play in October. It doesn't matter. So at the end of the day, if the Jays don't make it in, it's 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 because of them not being able to get the job done. And, and that's what it is. I also wonder how the Rays are going to handle their starting pitching in this series. Um, Aaron Savale is getting the first start here. He has not had a good go as of late, though. In his last start against the Angels, he only went three innings and gave up six earned runs. He's given up three earned runs to start before that, four earned runs to start before that. So it's been a rough little stretch of three games here. His September ERA is 7.85, and he's going to be going up against... MLB.com has Kikuchi going uh, for the Jays tonight, Ryu going tomorrow. So the first two games are Kikuchi and Ryu for the Jays. And then we don't really know what else the Rays are going to throw at them. So again, something that could work in their favor. Like I'm, I'm pulling up some opt- optimistic stuff here. The Rays are going with a guy who's struggling in game one, and they could very well be going with like minor league arms in games two and three. But those are Tampa Bay Rays minor league um, arms. So I'm never going to get excited about the Jays facing some guy who throws 106 miles an hour in triple A, which the Rays probably have. But, you know, whatever. They The Jays just won two of three against Tampa at the Trop. There's no reason they can't win two of three at home against these same Rays. Um, you're right. We're probably going to see some bulk guys, you know, bullpen games. Savali might not pitch deep into this game. It might just be a little tune up before the playoffs. Who knows really? Um, I mean, I don't, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a bit of a weird spot for the Jays because last weekend, the two pitchers that did have a hard time against Tampa were Kikuchi and Ryu and they're going more than likely they're going to be putting those two starters out there again. And then hopefully on Sunday, they've got this thing all wrapped up so that Kevin Gosman doesn't have to pitch because if Kevin Gosman has to pitch in a win or go win or go home game on Sunday, then he's obviously not pitching the um, opener of the wild card series for the Jays in game one. They might get him back for game three later in the series if he gets to that. But the Jays 
need to take care of business in these first couple of games here so that mm-hmm. the Sunday game doesn't mean anything. Having to use Gosman there would put a huge wrench in their playoff plan. So just win, baby. That's what they got to do. Yeah, that is, I was going to bring that up next, like finishing this thing off and clinching before game three. So you don't even have to make that decision with Kevin Gosman. You say, perfect. You're sitting, you're starting game one. We're good to go. You just do not want that at all because you would hate to get into a scenario where you need to win the final game of the year, or you're doing something weird where it's like, okay, like Gosman might start in that Sunday game, but we're scoreboard watching a little bit. Like it would just be an absolute shit show. Um, Also, something that would play into that. The Rays or sorry, the Jays game, the Astros, and then the Rangers Mariners game all start at the same time on Sunday. So you couldn't even like scoreboard watch and wait and see to your game. Like you'd have to go Gosman in game three if you're not clinched by then. So uh, that is a scenario. The blue Jays should be trying to avoid. Hopefully they can clinch a playoff spot. I mean, potentially tonight as early as Saturday as well. Like whatever happens, win out, win two games. You're in Uh, Coombsy. You enjoy this baseball series. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.